Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We're doing more strategy stuff here on this delightful Tuesday. Two weeks from the start of the NBA season. Oh man, I can't believe we made it this far. This is a really long off season. I'm tired. I'm worn. I had to fill a lot of gaps in July and August with weird shows that made no sense. But damn it, I wasn't going to miss a day. And now we're into the stuff that really matters. And... I want to try to make sure that I'm introducing today's show in kind of the friendliest of manners, but I didn't sleep very much last night. My kids are yelling at me these days. My wife's yelling at me these days. So I'm all filled with piss and vinegar, and maybe that's for the best. Because right now, there's uh, a, a deluge of punt stuff on the internet, and a lot of it is kind of backwards. But my guest today on the show is kind of like the OG punt guy, and he knows how to do it no matter what category you're working on. He knows when to zag, when other folks are zigging. Basically, like a lot of the punt stuff nowadays seems to happen like two years too late. Uh, Five years ago, people started really going hard in a punt field goal percent, and by the time everybody picked up on it on Twitter, it was three years ago. It's too late. Once everybody's doing it, it, there's... Not that much of a point anymore, but good thing for you that I have somebody coming on in about 10 seconds that can help walk us through the right way to do punts, the right order to think about punts, the ones that are coming back into fashion after some time off. They took a sabbatical, and that is Adam Stock. Adam Stock, my buddy from, well, wait, you're deeper into the Pacific Northwest, right? (laughs) Across the border. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm just outside outside of Vancouver. Hopefully, this uh, snow uh, or this rain turns into snow soon. October is usually like 30 days of rain, but then we're also right beside Whistler, so that means like 30 days of snow. Hopefully, ah, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. Uh, we don't get much snow. We did get. Uh, there was one day in Los Angeles last year. It was like a Wednesday in February, and it snowed for like 45 minutes. Didn't stick. Um, yeah. But I happened to be doing a baseball play-by-play game that night, and we got hailed on in an outdoor press box. That was not my favorite day. Adam is, of course, uh, for those watching on YouTube, you can see the Twitter handle for those listening uh, on traditional podcast channels. He had at Adam G. Stock, Elite Fantasy Basketball, and the Puntmeister. So I want to just I want to just dive stri- uh, straight into um, kind of the broad punt idea. Because this is something you've worked on for a very long time. You're analyzing all the different punts, basically, like pretty much nine of them. And you've you've been able to, because you've been working on it for so many years, track kind of this, this wave, this sine wave almost of how they come and go and things get in fashion and stats being scarce or not and how the players get drafted in the order and all that stuff 
factors into what gets popular. So before we even get into what's going on this year, what has that arc kind of been for punting lately? Yeah, so like the reason I started my site was there was like a Matt Buser Yahoo uh, article back in the day, and it was the first time I had seen any punting content that wasn't punt free throw. Like obviously punt free throw was like the OG because it was the most obvious, you know, you had Shaq back in the day, then you had Dwight. Howard and then everyone loved Rondo back in the day and be like Rondo, Dwight and Josh Smith. And that was like a huge <laughs> combo back in the day. It was actually not good. It made no sense, but that was like the stone age of it. So we kind of like started moving. I don't know. I feel like it was like punt free throw forever. And then I, I don't know what it was like, like you kind of touched on it in the intro, like five, 10 years ago, everyone's all like, I just want to do small ball teams, you know, and then everyone just did punt field goal percentage. But, and then all of a sudden there's six punt field goal percentage teams yeah. in the league. <laughs> And then, so that was kind of like when I, I, I started my site, I was like, yeah, there seems to be some, an opportunity here. Uh, the, the information out there could be better. It's you very, know, I started very diplomatic of you, the by the way. Teams, exactly. It's like, <laughs> hey, this pun assist thing seems pretty good. And I think just recently we're really starting to like, look at other builds. I still have to like scream from the top of the roof, like, like from the rooftops, like pump threes is pretty good because like 1% of people are going to do it. And, and everyone's going towards punt field goal percentage, but I feel like we're moving in the right direction. People are at least considering uh, the other ones, especially punt assists. People have been pretty good with punt assists recently too, so, but there are more. Um, going back to one thing you mentioned kind of early on in, in that answer, what, what, what happens if a bunch of teams are all doing the same punt at the same time? Doesn't that crank the difficulty level up to like a billion hundred percent. It basically takes away the advantage, like a mediocre punt field goal percentage team is, which is probably going to be the case if there's five or six guys, like, I guess you could crush the draft, but I mean, realistically, like your ceiling lowers for sure is not going to be better than a well put together punt assist or punt three team, even in eight cat leagues where punt field goal percentage tends to be King. Uh, although I would argue against that this year because of the rankings. Uh, yeah. If, if, if you're all, if you're all chasing the same bigs, only like maybe two teams will get like the ideal guys. It might not be you, you know, like punt field goal percentage. You want, you want Victor, you want Jaron Jackson, but the, but you don't really have options in the mid rounds. Right. So like, if you miss those guys, then what, you know, like you're in trouble. When do you decide in a draft that it's time to punt? Do you do it going into it? Do you do it when you find out what your draft slot is? Do you do it after the first, second round? Like, is there, or is it, fluctuate wildly from a like a moment to moment draft to draft basis uh, i have an idea going in like like i i have all my word documents like all my different five-man combinations i know i have what is ideal like i just prep 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 like like i i i, I try to avoid surprises so i know what uh what uh what is realistic and maybe like kind of where the draft is going. I do that for the first few rounds after that is more the wild west. Cause that's when you get big droppers, but I find the first two rounds are usually pretty predictable. So you can kind of plan it out, but, but, but again, I'm pretty flexible. Like I have my ideal, but I'm not locked into that. That's kind of how I approach it. What is the five man group? Uh, just like my first five picks, essentially like, like every build, like you got to think about category scarcity. You got to think about your builds, natural strengths and weaknesses. So I kind of have like what, like I want to do if this is my first and second and or first, second and third, you know, kind of set up that decision tree a little bit. So I know if I get maybe not those exact five guys, but those type of players, I go into the second half of the draft in a spot that can like, uh, allows me to target the guys in the middle rounds that I want to target and, 
and, and so on. Okay, so let's let's think through that arc that you were talking about, because that I think yeah. is where a lot of folks are are kind of flipping punting right now, where like the the guy they take in the first in, in the first round, they're like, okay, this is the guy I absolutely positively must get in the second round, uh, mm-hmm. because they're you know let maybe let's walk down a path. Like you said, punt threes yeah. is what you're screaming from the mountaintop. So let's talk punt yeah. threes. Um, how do you? I mean, there are, what, three, four guys in the first round that don't hit a ton of three-pointers. Um, yeah. The guy going first in every one of them is one. You've got Shea is an interesting one. Uh, if Is there – I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this question. Is there a, a, a good spot for that in the first, or do you feel like you can do it almost no matter what pick you land in the first round? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a good question. And that kind of like applies to a lot of the builds too. Like I always kind of question the guys who take Luke at second. That's not a move I make. And some of that is because I don't really like the guys in punt free throw percentage at the end of the second, you know, like I like a lot of those elite guards, but most of them are gone by like pick 18 or pick 20 at the latest. And if you grab Luca um, early, like you might, you might not get those guys. So like Jokic, you can kind of just do whatever. The <laughs> yeah, great part, of, the great part about Jokic is that he brings like the injury prone guys. It's like give me Jimmy around the turn, you know. But if you're doing it with Embiid, then you probably don't don't yeah. want to go that way. But you can with SGA too. So like with the more injury prone guys, just throw that in there. I, I would definitely prioritize durability with your, like your your other early round picks. Like fit is nice and everything, but like I would take a slightly worse fit and a more durable guy. For, for sure. So like, let's. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to jump in yeah. on you there. No, so, no, no. Continue, continue. So let's say you are punting threes. Um, there mm-hmm. are, uh, let's see. So Jokic, Embiid, Shea, if you go deeper into the first, early, second round, guys like Anthony Davis. I mean, Kevin Durant actually doesn't it that Durant, yeah, but he's the guy I was going to say. Yeah. Um, so you got some options kind of top to bottom there. Uh, this is this is the part that, that sometimes I struggle with as well. In the mm-hmm. second round, third round kind of spot. Is yeah. that where you are trying to build up specific, like, so head-to-head in Roto, there's a little bit of a different discussion here as well, I think. With head-to-head, you're leaning super hard into six, like, really heavy categories. Roto, you kind of want to make sure that you can get the other eight. So yeah. how do you set up the path to all the harder categories, basically? It's like, if you're punting threes you're going to be a little bit more of a bigs heavy team by and large. Do you find people fall into a trap of maybe taking bigs too soon or does it go the other way? How do you work through getting the categories you need in a, in a punt threes or really a punt anything build? Yeah. Yeah. There's two things you got to think about at first. You got to think about the bills, natural strengths and weaknesses because that determines like what your targets are really like. Yeah. Category scarcity points, assists, free throw percentage and all that. But that's but the, that's not necessarily going to be the only categories you have to go early. Uh, for example, if you punt points or punt free throw percentage, you got to get hard on threes early too. Like I know threes is easy to find, but you just have like little room for error um, in that category. Um, yeah, so you kind of just have to look at like, like the entire draft. Like you have to plan out the entire draft before. <laughs> <laughs> like, before, like, no problem yeah. like you think about all those nice bigs in the middle rounds this year like if you're punting a a category where you want to target those guys so like punt threes or punt assists or something not necessarily punt field goal percentage like you should play in your draft round like those are going to be my bigs what do i need uh to do before that to be able to take on those hits because those guys like gafford williams duran 
and stuff like that. Those guys come with pretty big hits, you know. So if you're going into that like stage of the draft, weak in points or weak in assists or steals and stuff, you can get yourself in, in, in trouble. So you got to think about that when you're uh, making your early round picks too. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Is that how you build a lot of the the punt idea meaning like you're looking at who makes the most sense in the in the fourth fifth sixth range uh the guys that really do help shore up the strengths and then think about attacking the weaknesses early is that the path or no um for for me it's hard to explain like i don't really think like i need this here i need this here i just kind of look at like at the whole picture is like how do i get to this point after round eight you know like what are the combinations (laughs) that's kind of more more how i approach it It, it's keeps you flexible and just generally like sometimes like the strategy won't be obvious sometimes you might think you need to hit these these categories in rounds like two and three but actually you could do it in four and five and that might be better because it helps this there's just so many moving pieces it's hard to get like super specific you kind of just have to like practice and prep over and over because for every build just when to do each thing is going to be a little different sorry sorry if i'm being a little vague but but it's it's kind of it's complicated yeah it is it's extremely complicated and i thought that was like it's not something you really want to wing i would say like if you're new to fantasy it's definitely something you want to practice beforehand yeah i i should i should say so do mock drafts do they actually help with this or does it make it harder because it's easier to get your guys in mock drafts honestly i i don't don't mock a a ton these days i have have a tool on my site not not to pump too much pump away but but you you can uh you can uh test all the different uh um combinations on the fly so you can like see this five-man combination where does that put you after round five you're if i move this guy out so stuff like that just saves a lot of time it's a lot easier it's uh, you're not dependent. Uh, you don't have to worry about somebody taking Wemby at like eight or something like that. and just messing with the, the, <laughs> the, mock. Whole, the, the whole board goes to crap. Yeah, there's too many dummies in mocks to like spend yeah. too, too much time. I mean, you can do what mocks do offline too. Yeah. Uh, we're talking again to Adam stock, elite fantasy basketball. And uh, what did I call you at the beginning? The punt Meister. Can I stick? Meister, sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah. We're, we're rolling. There, with that. Yeah. Um, so what punts are, uh, I don't want to say easy and hard because that's the very much the wrong word for it. None of them is all that easy. But which ones yeah. are you think is the ones that folks you said threes is a fun one because easy. people are easy, yeah. and you said field goal percent is sort of like a little bit 
that's so like i want to do that i, I, I so would argue that's, that's the hardest one and i feel bad because i know a lot of people are watching like that's my default but yeah. I, it's the hardest one <laughs> like it's the one where you can't get those mid-round bigs that make the draft kind of easy you know like you have to go big earlier which is going to lead to issues with your guard categories and you got to win the guard categories when you punt field goal percentage so and then you got like five other punt field goal percentage teams going so there's a lot going into it and, and on top of that turnovers. it seems like everybody's doing it so that makes it extra hard yeah, yeah, because I mean, there, there's the bias in fantasy towards points and assists. You don't get extra points for winning either category, but they, it, people are hardwired to kind of favor them. You know, like even even myself, like, like yeah, like I have to sometimes I look at guys. I'm like, actually, this guy's not that good, but he does average <laughs> 18 points. You know, and like I have to just like double check, check. You know, like all right. So what's the what are the ones uh, in addition to threes that you think the board is set up nicely for this year? I uh, usually like, try to push people away from punt for their percentage because it's kind of hard. Like it's good, but it but it's more of an advanced strategy. This year, I'm pushing people towards it, really towards any big man heavy thing. Uh, like the threes, um, assist is kind of in between, but it's still I'd say it leans slightly big man. Uh, free throw percentage, steals, but I put that put that fourth the, just just because the bigs in the middle rounds make the that setup so easy you just hammer the guards early pick up one big maybe over the first five like mobily or someone and then uh and then just hammer the bigs in the middle rounds so like that's a, it's a those are fairly straightforward this year i would i would say the small ball teams are, are a little trickier just because yahoo and espn have them so high this year i'm all, all the all the elite little guys i i'm gonna i'm gonna dig just a tiny bit more on the bigs in the middle round comment yeah. uh and i, I want to see if i can get to the I, I'm struggling to come up with the right way to ask this question. You've mentioned them a few times, actually, in your answers on this yeah. show. Uh, what is it about that chunk of players in that spot that makes this season unique? It seems like, is it, make sure I'm getting this right, because I'm sort of learning along with the people that are listening, too. Yeah. Uh, is it because most of those guys, and when you say mid-rounds, you're talking about the bigs that are going like around 55 to 70-ish range? Like yeah, maybe 90, it depends. Yeah. Okay, so it's like yeah. starting at Jared Allen, basically, and then going through Nick Claxton, and I guess Walker Kessler's back there with them now as well. Um, yeah. Brooke Lopez, Daniel Gafford, Mark Williams. All the um, young guys, yeah. Jalen yeah. Duran. Um, is it because those guys are typically low scoring in addition to doing fairly traditional big man stuff that you were talking about how you know, maybe they don't play into some of the uh like a uh what was the it was a punt punt field goal was that the one <laughs> i forgot which one you were speaking about no no for okay. for the no for the punt field goal percentage comment those guys aren't ideal fits because when you take a, uh, away field goal percentage they don't do much you know like right. the rebound ones and blocks some of them aren't even blocks so if you're taking them in six or seven that's not great value you know like um I don't worry too much about rankings, but I don't really want like a two category player in the sixth round, you know? Right. So for a punt field goal percentage that, that can uh, make it a little tricky. Uh, when I bring up those guys, I bring up them be, um, because I think they're closer to the early round bigs than the guards in that range are to the early. Interesting. Round okay. So, so, so that's really what, what tips it for me. I feel like I'm losing less if I target them in the middle rounds and the guards early, like, like there's, there's no real elite guards from like, I mean, I mean, someone will pop up, but like, that's predictable from like 55 to 90, but like, you can't get a top 35 guy, a guard in a build at like 80, but you might be able to get a top 35 guy. Who's a big in like punt threes or punt assists in that range. Ah, okay. So it's that, it's that spacing. That's actually, that's very interesting. 
Um, I actually, we got a question. I'm going to throw it in there because it was along the same line that I was going to go next. Uh, not necessarily about these guys in particular, but uh, the question is, what do you punt usually for either Halliburton or SGA? Um, and I, I, I throw this in there. I do want you to answer this specific question, but I also want to bring up this idea of if you already have an idea of what you're doing going into a draft, do you avoid a particular player in the first round, maybe even more so than targeting one? So it's sort of a two-part question, and neither one of them is all that easy. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really sure, in a hot I seat. I, I don't know if I avoid anybody. I just pick like who, who my favorite is. You know, yeah. necessarily like who I think I can do the best job of building around. Not necessarily the guy I think is going to finish the highest, who I think is I'm going to be able to build around. That's what it comes down uh, for me. Uh, for the guys in question, Halliburton or SGA, um, SGA's, uh, SGA is one of the guys I try to be flexible with. Like he works for punt threes. He works for uh, punt assists. Uh, you could put him in punt field goal percentage. He's, he's efficient, but, he, but field goal percentage was like his fifth best category last year. So you're not really losing – uh, too much with him. I usually go into second and third, uh, just kind of seeing who's there and then going from there in terms of uh, punt build. Halliburton's tricky just because of the points. Like it, it's a, it's a pretty big hole to dig yourself out of. So like it'd be easy to say just punt points. And I think if you're an advanced player who's punted a lot of different categories before or who has punted points before, then I would say punt points. Uh, but punt points is really tricky uh, for a beginner guy. So I might look at punt uh, blocks if you don't feel comfortable with punt points um or you could do or you could punt field goal percentage with, with them too but i think again that kind of uh can lead to trouble just because you'll have some competition uh punt free throw percentage is also an option because like, he shoots a good percentage but he doesn't get there a ton so it doesn't have much value tied into it the problem with that is you're probably going to run into serious problems with points uh, just because once you take those elite punt free throw percentage big men like Kessler and Claxton will give you like 13 points, you're going to be in a real hole in points. <laughs> so maybe you end up double punting and then you've got to make sure you get your threes. So Halberton's a little tricky, which is why I'm not quite as high on him as other people this year, just because I think he's slightly harder to build around than other guys due to the points. I've... Do you find that certain punts are easier in head to head versus Roto? Yeah, yeah. So Roto, I don't punt that much. Like my, my rule in Roto is like, if I'm punting, I need need to be choosing a build where I think I'm only, uh, I'm not going to have another serious weakness, you know, right. like I don't need to crush the remaining eight, but like, I don't want to take a three any anywhere else. So that usually leads me to punt assists, punt assists, uh, uh, basically you figure out the strengths and weaknesses by seeing how the categories correlate to each other. So uh, assist doesn't like strongly correlate with a lot of uh or sorry sorry i'll, I'll rephrase this uh assist doesn't come with like significant weaknesses like field goal percentage can like field goal percentage like punting field goal percentage will usually tank your turnovers um it makes it really tough for rebounds and blocks assist kind of has some weaknesses you can usually run into issues with steals uh, specifically but but there are but you're much less likely to run into a double punt uh which is what i try to avoid yeah certainly in roto. roto yeah yeah. Um, what about over on the head-to-head side? I guess the double punt is less of an issue because you could still. Yeah, I, I, got, I got no issues with double punts in uh, in head-to-head. Sometimes I, I try to avoid triple punts early in the season. That's something I shift to maybe closer to the playoffs, like especially when you kind of have an idea of who your main competition is. Just because I worry, I always worry about punting a category unintentionally. So if you're punting <laughs> one category and you punt a second one unintentionally right. in head-to-head, who cares? Like that's going to be the case a lot of the time. Yeah. If you're doing two. 
and then you punt three. Okay, not a, not amazing, but like okay. But if you punt three and you accidentally punt four, then you're probably dead. So that's why I usually don't gravitate towards to like the crazy punts. I mean, they work in theory, but in practice, not not really. Like a guy in one of my leagues last year, uh, punt free the percentage, uh, didn't really do it well, but he finished second in wins, and he also got ninth in the standings because he couldn't win more than five four. <laughs> So, like, <laughs> so you, you got to be careful. It could be, yeah. And you also got to factor in with with those multi punts that you're going to get smoked by injuries at some point. So it, it, you're probably going to take a two seven loss at some point, or maybe or maybe two. And if you're only winning five four every week, like if if that's your ceiling, you're like you're screwed. Like, yeah, and you, you have you literally that. have to do it every week. Yeah, every you week. have to. And it, it just takes one bad week to wipe out one good month in that setup. Yeah. So you want to be a little careful. I've screwed around with that uh, in the past, at which I, you sort of end up in that in like a punt bigs, basically. That's what that 5-4 target is. You like, you gotta nail it. And yeah, mm-hmm. if you're one or if your top guy goes down or whatever and you run into a team that happens to be good at one of the things you were trying to be excellent at, uh, yeah. yeah, you just get absolutely decimated over one or two weeks and your whole season at that point can go down the toilet. I have my own question, but we did get one more in the chat room here. Thoughts on Cade Cunningham early third in a punt field goal percent build, or frankly, just Cade overall this year, because there's an expectation of a massive jump happening. Yeah, he's fine there. Honestly, full disclosure, I took him second last year in a punt field goal percentage team. Worked out terribly. <laughs> yeah, I but, mean, uh, done but so yeah, I'm fairly high. I won the league, but like the first like month and a half was like very, very intense. So he's a great fit for that then. Yeah, he's a great fit. I mean, as a rookie in punt threes and turnovers, he was like top 35. Like with Cade, you might end up punting turnovers, but that, but that's okay in punt field goal percentage. That's going to be the case a lot of the time. But I mean, like you, you, you could take like Fred and two, and then if you pair him with Cade, then your turnovers are probably okay too. So it's not necessarily. But yeah, I have no problem with Cade in three. Would you go Cade in and punt three? field goal percentage yeah. in other builds? Iffy. iffy. Yeah, that was going to be well, my next probably question. be like top 50 because of the field goal percentage and turnovers right. overall ranking. Like in Roto, you got to be careful. But in punt field goal percentage, whatever. It's hard to take them too high. Okay, so going back to some to the SGA conversation just for a minute here, and I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because this, this conversation is so wide-ranging. We could talk for probably like three hours yeah. on it today. Um, okay. We're starting with SGA. I'm getting back into a, a, a more specific hypothetical because I think it's easier for people to picture. It's certainly easier for me to like look up into the sky and draw my roster while, while we're talking about it. Yeah. You got SGA in the first round. You are now extraordinary in free throw percent. You're in great shape in scoring. Your steals are very good. Your blocks are actually pretty good for a guard in that one. Yeah. But um, your three most powerful categories are points, steals, uh, and free throw percent. He is, as you've said, a very interesting punt threes guy. You're coming back in the second round. Are you typically, I know you said you kind of have to adjust these things on the fly a little bit, but are you typically looking to build on the things that he's pretty good at that you can then like say, okay, I'm very, very good at five categories now. So like you've got your three basically locked in stone. You could take an assist guy potentially in the second round and turn that into a positive. You could take a blocks guy in the second round and turn that into a positive. You could take a field goal percent. You could take a big, basically, turn that into a positive. Or do you attack the things that are already ultra powerhouse and turn them into basically like three to four unbeatable categories and build from there? Or 
is a different on every draft. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what I was touching on before. I don't really view the second round pick as just like, okay, Kate, or not Kate, um, SGA did this, and then my second round pick has to do this. I, I basically view the first like five picks as like a group. So it, it's, and, and I honestly view, especially around the, like, let's say you take SGA third, fourth, or whatever, I'm viewing my second round and third round as like complementary pieces. So I'm kind of thinking, okay, if my third round guy is going to be this, my second round guy should be this. So, so, so yeah, for me, it's more like the first like handful of rounds. It's like, what does this pick do to get me where I need to be after the first handful of rounds when some of the harder to find categories dry up? That's usually what I'm thinking. So after five rounds, basically, you're like, I, head to head, I got to be really, really good in six categories. Yeah, because I find that's the point, at least this year. Some Sometimes it's like round six has some good guards, but like this year, that seems to be like like the cutoff. Like usually like even guys like Beal and Max are going five. Five now, six is like starting to get a little, little iffy. Iffy, there aren't like any like automatic guys there. Like the top guys are maybe like for sell and stuff like that. Who, who's nice and, nice and stuff, but I have some reserves because of the Spurs record. Yeah, Spurs. Because Spurs, mm-hmm. that's a fair assessment, by yeah. the way, of that. All right, I don't want you to pull the curtain all the way back because yeah. people need to come read your stuff a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Um, give me an example, if you could, like a teaser here, of mm-hmm. if you could start your draft with the three players you'd love the most, like first, second, mm-hmm. third round, what might that be? And what punt are we looking at? Is it threes? Yeah, it's through, through the Jokic done properly breaks fantasy. Uh, in my main league, um, threes with Jokic won three years in a row. It was in first um, with, with the COVID shortened league. And then I won it last year with MB punt threes. So I'm ah. a big believer in in punt threes. So uh, I would say Jokic, um, Jimmy, even though he makes me nervous, but it's Jokic. And then my guy, Bam, who I will put out there is like, consider him at the end of the second. He is a legitimate end of the second option like he's a very good pick from a category scarcity standpoint because because he does good work in the guard categories um one of the few guys in like two or three who is actually like really good in field goal percentage that helps a lot um so that would be my top three hmm. the two heat guys and Jokic. interesting so you got you got a lot of eggs going in that miami direction <laughs> yeah but they're gonna be they're gonna be mediocre probably in the regular season at least who knows yeah in, in the playoffs they have a good playoff schedule um bam doesn't rest I mean, Jimmy is Jimmy. He's annoying. Yeah, but, he'll uh, rest a little. But, but if they're bad, threes, he can't rest if as he much. If you play 60 plus again, like, I love it. And Jokic plays maybe 68 to 70. Bam plays 70. What Jimmy if it wasn't? Yeah, I would take that every time. What if it wasn't Jokic? What if you had to start with SGA sure. or or Embiid near the top? Or even looking like, well, I did ask you for your favorite. So it's, it's yeah. really fair for you to say Jokic. What about second favorite? So second is it favorite. SGA or Embiid at the, in the first? Yeah, I mean, I mean... Oh, that's tough. That's my two and three. Yeah, like, for, for <laughs> sure. It, I know, does it change I know, like, what you do? Luke and Halliburton into there, but for me, it's SGA and Embiid. Like, I, it's not that tough. Does it change what you do in two and three? I know you mentioned with Embiid, you probably try to minimize risk a yeah, little bit. Yeah, not, not not with like say Bam or something like that, because Bam can go almost anywhere. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Jimmy's a no go for Embiid teams. Um, I'm fine with them with SGA. Like th- that's the tricky part with Embiid. I, I'm finding that part of the draft a little tough just because a lot of the times like 
the guys yeah. in the range are a little iffy. They're all the, the terrifying old dudes, which for Roto, you're like, nice. gimme, gimme, gimme. I got a games cap, yeah. but in head to head, you're kind of like, how much do we trust Fred too? Like, it's kind of hard to say. His, his situation's a little up in the, the air. So like do you, you can go, make arguments on both sides? Yeah, he's missed. He's got beat up, and now he's playing less minutes. So you know. So. Do you have to go farther down the board if you started with Embiid in that type of build, or do you have to go one of these kind of iffy dudes? I know. I just, just like pick your guys. I, I, I mean, like the default rankings aren't perfect. Like, no, like, they're not. I don't. Bob, Devin Booker's like in a ridiculous price that he's not even going to sniff, but, and then people Thank feel you, obligated to take him around. And you, you don't <laughs> have to, you know, like it's the difference between the late second guys and the most of the third round is minimal. There's like no difference between the third round and fourth round this year. Like all those point guards are like the exact same guy <laughs> with a different yeah. twist. You, you know, yeah. Except sometimes you get 45, the other guy you might take at 31, you know? Yeah. So yep. like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be afraid to reach like, like, I mean, you put a guy like Bam in a, in a build like Punt Threes or something like that, and like his ranking like shoots past a lot of those guys at, at the end of the second. Are you uh, in this Punt Threes iteration where you started with Jokic, Jimmy, and Bam? Do you end up point punting blocks in that build also? No, because of those mid round picks, right? You oh, okay, just, like, so that's right. Gafford, Williams. I like Pirtle a lot, a ton this year. You, you got to go heavy on free throw percentage early but he's a really nice option especially in friendly builds if he's there in the middle rounds that's also kind of why i like rolling the dice on jimmy because he gives you so much free throw percentage impact that you can kind of like grab that after are you but that's also a nice setup for for punt blocks but then <laughs> no 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 i lied i lied no no you're way too dead in threes i, I take that back you're oh way you're too way too dead in threes do you yeah. have do you have to make up ground and points at all in that iteration no, because you already got two centers that score over twenty, right? So like you, you you should be you should be okay. Like you might be below average in the standings at, at that point, but like once the other teams start taking their bigs, then oh, you'll... that's when they drop down. Yeah, but yeah you... by like five. Let's say you take Demar, Demar in the fourth. Mm. Do I do love me playing. some? I do love me some Demar in the fourth. Yeah, yeah, got... me too. I'll, like I'll, <laughs> all the time, all the time. Yeah. Um. So you do that. You got twenty four or whatever. I don't. Know, somebody takes Jared Allen or or whoever and. Boom. Yeah. Now, do you then lose that ground back again, though, once you're, you know, taking your Nick Claxon or your Jakob Pertle a little bit later, or are you not too worried about yeah, that? Yeah, but I feel like everyone else is going to be taking or taking similar guys like that. So so you just got to make up your points ground with a couple of guards in like four, five, and six range. Yeah, I, I feel like you do that, and you go guard four or five, like target guys like Beal Maxi, those dudes, stuff like that. Damari, Levine, who's really nice. Um yeah, you can make it up. You can make it up. I mean, getting 25 or 24 or 25 out of Jokic out of a center spot is a big advantage. My last strategic question, and then I officially will let you out of the hot seat. Do you – this is something that actually that came up when I was talking to, to Josh on the show last week. He was, mm -hmm. he was like – and I actually kind of agree with this – that we need to change the name punt to something else because it gives this impression that your goal is to F up a category. But in yeah. fact, the goal is not to screw up a category. The goal is to get very strong in other ones while not needing to worry about this particular category. Do you agree with that sentiment first? Yeah, like the proper word is ignore. Yeah, like, ignore. Like outside of the obvious targets, it's like, well, I know this guy. This guy shoots 50 from line. I know he's going to jump. I don't really like that's not how I pick out targets. Right. Like I pick out targets for the build based off of what I know the build's strengths and weaknesses are, are going to be. Like, like I, I, in, punt free throw percentage uh 
for the guards, I'm not really looking at their free throw percentage because they're all pretty good. Like, I don't really care that Fox is like a little bad in it. And this guard <laughs> might be, might be good. I'm more worried about their points, assists and threes. Covering the things that are harder to yeah, get. Yeah, exactly. From. Covering the weaknesses of the bigs I'm going to go after. Yeah. Do you ever avoid a player who's good at a category you're punting or is that just too much to think about? In a, yeah, sometimes. I mean, if they if they just like stink when the category is gone, <laughs> like, like those mid round bigs without field goal percentage are are, right. are going to stink. I'm never going to punt for the percentage with Damian Lillard, you know, because then <laughs> yeah. if you're taking him at the end of the first, then he's going to be a top like thirty guy or whatever without that free throw percentage. Like that that that's bad value. Yeah. So 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 yeah, like I'm not I'm not getting too crazy with it, you know. Yeah, makes total sense. Uh, Adam, I'm officially letting you out of the hot seat now. I know we have like a. Th- I have so many different. Yeah, we can go on forever. There's like a million combinations. There are a million combinations and a million different ways to do it. I would strongly suggest that everybody listening or watching give Adam a follow on Twitter at Adam G Stock. Someone did slip a question here at the very end. You got 30 seconds. Uh, upside uh, versus punting. Uh, Currently in the middle of a dynasty slow draft. When do I target upside value versus punting? In, this is a very in, niche in, question. Yeah, in Dynasty, I definitely go uh, value and like future outlook over fit with punting. I mean, I mean, your it, your team could change so much over years. Guys' lines can ch- can change so much over years. I wouldn't be going for like specialized picks necessarily. I would I would be thinking more about overall value. Pratt says we should call it devaluing a stat better than punt. We may need to just go out into the universe and do a and crowdsource this this new name. Ignore works, yeah, cool. but it. But I need so- I need something with a little more a little more sauce a little more pizzazz. But yeah, I don't know. yeah, you love those polls. Put out one of those polls. I do love polls, man. I got. I'm trying to figure out what everybody else is doing, which to me is like the most interesting part of the run up to the season. Because if I could like game plan an entire draft based on what I know everyone else is doing, it sure does make it easier to know where you can get your own guys, right? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Like in those industry drafts, I, I kind of know what everyone's doing. So I usually come out with like a really nice team because I know like guys' <laughs> tendencies and stuff. It's almost like, it, it's even more extreme than like drafting with your home league. Like, yeah, you drafted those guys forever, but you've seen all this content everyone else has put out. So you know exactly what, what they're going to do. And people like to get fancy in industry drafts too, which lead, which can yep. lead to you picking up like value. Like I know ever like nobody wants to pick Tobias Harrison like industry leagues, but like I will gladly take him if he drops, you know, like you and I will battle to the death for these extraordinarily boring players. Boring guys. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Those are guys that win. Yeah. Rick Lean, I think is in on the boring dudes at times also, although he goes like he alternates boring and very exciting. I think he's going to be on. We're trying to figure out a time he's free in the evening and I'm free in the morning. And at some point we might just have to, I'll do a show with Alex where I just like send a question out and then I'll edit in his his answer later on or something. Yeah, for sure. I feel, I feel like people have like called DeMar boring for like seven years in a row and he's been a great pick for like seven years in a row. It's been like top 30 since he's been in Chicago. He's top 40 something in San Antonio. Uh Like it's just, it's plug and play, man. The boring dudes. I know I called it the Dan Vespers old man squad, but it is the Dan Vespers boring dude squad. It just doesn't, doesn't, Anyway, I like that you're on board with this. I also like that you that Devin Booker caught astray on today's show because I've been, <laughs> I've been clowning on his rank spot uh, for uh, for a little bit of time here. Okay, Adam, uh, you're amazing. You're the best at Adam G Stock on Twitter. Thank you so much, my man. I will talk to you very soon. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. That was Adam Stock. I love this. So I like I'm not that great at punting. I'm willing to admit that. Um, I. And I, I just have this amazing opportunity to learn on the fly while we're talking about it. 
and so I, I have a thousand questions and I have to stop myself in the 30 some odd minute mark or I'll take up Adam's entire morning. Um, want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by our buddies over at Manscaped. Use coupon code ethos 20 to get 20% off your order and free shipping on the brand new handyman, not a sideburn trimmer, an actual electric razor. Look at this neck. Look at this neck. This was like three days ago I used the handyman, and I still look like I have way better hygiene than I actually do. Isn't that what life is all about when you have children? Because you know you ain't showering for a while. Anyway. Uh, if time permits, we'll try to get back later today with another mock draft. It's um, iffy. Again, it's all based on available time on my end. And also, uh, do people show up for the mock draft? Because then, it, you know, is that like a four-rounder? Or are we going to do the whole damn thing? I'd like to do the whole damn thing. I'd like to get to a draft here in the not-too-distant future where I'm able to uh, dig in a bit more on the later parts. Uh, but uh, we've been a little bit beset by auto drafters in the last few as well I'm trying to think if there's anything that i'm forgetting to talk about today oh uh brewski 150 is in the all sport fantasy pass in just two days but the price goes up on that so there's a double impetus get the all sport fantasy pass today or tomorrow you lock in the lowest price it will ever be the B-150 goes in it then on the 12th and that way you get to ride that through don't miss the price hike and get it early. Also, that includes baseball and football premium content. You've got football in-season stuff rolling right now. You'll have baseball leading up to the draft after the year, or the fantasy draft, I should say, after the year flips over. The all-sport at $7 a month is the best thing we got going over at Sports Ethos right now, and it's not close. It also has projections in it already. You don't even have to wait the two days for that. That's at sportsethos.com. Uh, again, big thank you to my guest on this one, Adam Stock. Like, rate, subscribe. You guys know all that stuff. I forgot to yell it at you during the show, but here certainly towards the end, I would say, please, pretty please, take a moment, hit that thumbs up. Take a moment to uh, drop a five-star on the pod or hit a subscribe button somewhere. And you must, must, you heard Adam talk about it. Follow me on social media, at Dan Vesperus. We got polls going. We got statistical discussions going. We got player discussions going. We got rounds discussions going. And then once the season gets cooking, we got all sorts of crazy stuff going on over there. So uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, especially you live viewers. Love y'all. Maybe see you later today, but at very worst, see you tomorrow. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.